Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. Hello and welcome to another Best in the World with Richard Barr and I'm really excited about this week's guest. It is the three-time Olympic champion swimmer Stephanie Rice. We've been trying quite a while to get her on the show and finally our schedules were able to match. I was delighted when I got to speak to Stephanie. We spoke about all kinds of different things, in particular how the 2008 Olympics went for her when she won three Olympic gold medals and her whole experience related to that. We also speak about what she's up to now, being an entrepreneur and the fact that she runs her own business called Race Rice. Really interesting stuff there. We talk all things related to health and nutrition. She talks about being vegan, which is very interesting. We also talk about meditation and, of course, about goal setting. I really enjoyed this conversation with Stephanie Rice. Really easy chat with her and I think she was one of these guests who I felt I could talk for a very long time with. So it's a really good, lots of information there from Stephanie Rice on today's Best in the World with Richard Parr. Now I mentioned she talks about goal setting and in fact she recommends one book, it's called The One Thing. I know I've already digested it on my Kindle, really enjoyed it. But as well as reading, I like to listen to audiobooks and you could do the same using Audible and they are offering you as a listener of The Best in the World with Richard Parr a free trial to check out their service. It's a one month trial and with that trial you get a free download. Perhaps it could be The One Thing by Gary Keller. I'd highly recommend you, if not reading it, then listening to it on Audible. They've got over 180,000 titles to choose from. If you'd like to listen to something else, go and check it out. It's audibletrial.com forward slash best. audibletrial.com forward slash best if you would like to check out their service. All right, let's not wait any longer because there's so much Goodness, so much great knowledge from Stephanie Rice. She's coming up next because she is the best in the world. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Stephanie Rice, three-time Olympic champion, five-time world record holder in swimming. Welcome to the best in the world. You've been retired for a few years now. We're going to go into your whole amazing swimming career. But let's start by getting people up to date of what you're up to right now, please. 
Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me on and being able to contribute. Um, I love to be able to do that. So, um, yeah, well, I guess I, I finished my swimming career uh, four to well, actually now that we're in the new year, five years ago. So it seems like ages. I feel like I've kind of started a whole new life. Um, and I'm just about to launch my company race rice, which is a kid's company. Um, we do kids swimwear, kids health bars, like a nutritional snack. Um, and I'm really excited to be able to put all that energy that I was putting into swimming into something now that feels really meaningful. Yeah, I was looking at your website earlier and you've been up to so many different things. You've you've obviously know a lot about exercise and, and health and everything like that. And you even had a, a book come out, is that right? Yeah, well I um we put out an ebook, my one of my friends and I, um, to it was called The Art of Wellness and it really was more about holistic health. Um, I believe wholeheartedly in it being a, a holistic approach rather than a program that you do for six weeks or something like that. Um, and that was really the foundation for creating that ebook. And that's really led to a whole passion and, um, I guess like understanding of health in a different way. And, um, I live and breathe those things that I, I mention in the book all the time. So yeah, it was, it's really nice, I think, to be able to share what I've learned throughout my Olympic swimming career with people that wouldn't really understand that life or have that knowledge. Mm, yeah, j just briefly, for those who don't really know what holistic health is, can you just explain it a bit more, please? Yeah, sure. Well, holistic really means like an all-encompassing approach. So, um, you know, it's not just focusing on food. It's not just focusing on exercise. It's focusing on all of those things, but including things like sleep, the way you think, um, you know, where you work, what you're doing, um, because you I really believe it's sort of like a pie. You can't just have one piece of the pie working well and everything else not because it just won't work out that way. Um, and it's important to look at all aspects of your life and really make changes so that they can all be as best that they can be. Mm, that's fantastic. And I think that's what we try to achieve on this show by learning from you amazing Olympians. So out of all those slices of the pie, are there any in particular which have, which have drastically changed since you stopped competitively swimming? Well, I mean, I think the, the obvious one is the exercise <laughs> um, because, you know, training for the Olympics, we were doing uh, sort of up and around seven hours a day. And um, I definitely don't exercise seven hours a day anymore, <laughs> nor do I want to. Um, in saying that, uh, being an elite athlete, um, like I'm sure most of the people that have contributed to this this uh, show have experienced, it's totally not balanced. Like it's a not a balanced life. It's very extreme. And um, I loved that because you can get the best out of yourself as an athlete, but I really couldn't focus on any other aspect of my life whilst I was swimming. Whereas now I do I guess just what makes me feel the best. So it's a very different um perspective on it. Um, I probably exercise anywhere from like maybe 20 minutes a day, a little workout at home, or I'll go to the gym for an hour, but I definitely don't exercise every day. And I don't try and like follow a specific program or like a, a routine it just doesn't work for me anymore. I exercise because it makes me feel really good and healthy and like makes my body feel like I'm energized and focused to do the work that is more important to me now, which is 
is the business stuff. So it's just very different, but it, it is following similar principles. During that time when you were really focusing and, and doing these seven hours of training, was there one thing which you sacrificed the most, which you kind of really, not regretted, but wish you didn't have to give up? Uh, well, mm, I don't have any regrets at all because I I had that intention when I was swimming that I didn't want to have any regrets. So um, I guess to answer it, um, I definitely never lived a normal lifestyle as a as a teenager. I guess before you get to that Olympic level, there's hours and hours of training that goes into it very unnoticed by the public and whatever. You don't really seem to reap the rewards until later. And um, going through school, there was many things that I sacrificed in order to go after my dream of being an Olympian and things like not going to a school formal and not participating in any real school social activities and after school going to the mall or whatever. Like I never did any of that. Um, but I also never really wanted to do any of that. So um, I guess just in finishing my swimming career, I never had that normal upbringing as a child, but I also never really wanted it. Mm. Yeah, I can completely understand that. So you're now involved in all these entrepreneurial activities. Are, are there any people in this field which you've been now working in the last few years that, that you look up to? Um, I draw inspiration from a number of people and I, I try and read as much as possible from people that have gone before me that I aspire to and um, definitely people like Elon Musk. I mean, you obviously know him for what he's doing with Tesla and SpaceX, but like to have created things like PayPal and all these things, it just had such an amazing career that I think, okay, if he can do like five different successful businesses, surely I can do one. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love, I love reading and learning in that way. I'm a huge believer in things like law of attraction and the secret. And so I, I definitely always learn for my spiritual side as well as my business side. So I kind of try and balance those things out. Have you got one book you'd recommend in that for me? Um, well, I think something like Think and Grow Rich is obviously a, um, a standard core book that everyone like should read and I think would get something from it. Um, I recently just read a book um, and it was called The Go-Giver which is all about business and giving rather than trying to always receive and how the receiving comes from doing the giving. And I think it's sort of just, it was a really nice principle that you could apply to many areas of your life. Cool. Well, I've read Think and Grow Rich, but I haven't read uh, The Go-Giver, so I'll, I'll check that one out. And in, in the spirit of giving back, I would suggest you read or listen as an audio book to Never Eat Alone, if you haven't read that before. Oh, I've definitely heard of this before. I'll get on to that one. Very, very good book. It's all about human interaction, and that's how we should all be doing business rather than just in our own little bubbles. How important was your team when you were... Uh, a swimmer and very often how would your, your team evolve and, and how would they come come to you and be a part of it yeah it's really interesting because I guess for the outsider swimming is a very individual sport uh, which it is like you're the one competing at the end of the day on your own but there's a huge team of people that go into preparing for that um more than anything it was my coach he's definitely the person that without 
his guidance and instruction of not only the coaching stuff, but just the mentoring side of it as well, I definitely wouldn't have achieved what I achieved. I think there's got like with any success, there's like a huge support system behind it. He's my number one, my, my number one man. Um, and outside that, I think the biggest influences were really my squad and the energy of the squad, that real camaraderie and, and um, positive place to go. Like it was a, everyone loved training where we trained and everyone wanted to train where we trained. So I love that we made something that was so hard and grueling and tough enjoyable. Um, and that was really important for such a monotonous routine of, you know, nine sessions a week, seven hours a day kind of thing. Um and then having injuries, I definitely relied a lot on physios and, and gym instructors and whatever. Often, more often than not, I sought out those people rather than them coming to me. Um, and yeah, I've always sort of been a bit more inclined that way to be proactive. So um, yeah, and I always did things a little bit differently than most other people. Mm, yeah, it's. it's funny that you talk about kind of the the positive atmosphere it's something similar that i've heard about uc berkeley when i spoke to natalie coglin and tom shields mm. they said they had that kind of community there uh, have you always been a positive person um i think i've always i've always believed that everything happens for a reason and i think in a lot of ways that makes me positive because i look at challenges or setbacks or whatever as okay like this has happened for a reason so let's figure out why and let's learn from this I've always just been that that way inclined um so I would say I've always been a happy bubbly person and I pride myself on that more so now than when I was swimming because I realized how how much impact that can have to someone else's life just being a light for other people so um yeah i i definitely am a positive people would say that about me now if if um at least i hope that they would <laughs> um if they met me they would say that yeah and what about when you'd suffer injuries though i believe you had a, a few shoulder injuries after the beijing olympics and uh, you know that can always knock people down how would you cope with things like that the first shoulder injury I had, which was one of three, um, really knocked me more so than the other ones because it was the first experience of it. And um, I just hadn't really geared my mind up for the rehab process. I just sort of thought when the doctor said 12 week, it would be a 12 week rehab that at 12 weeks, I'd be back to like Olympic level training. Um, but it was very much more like at the end of 12 weeks, you can start training at full potential again but you've lost so much fitness and strength in 12 weeks that it really was more like a six-month rehab and I just didn't really gear my mind around that for a time frame so it always was quite frustrating and felt like I was missing out and everyone was improving and I wasn't and um Whereas the second time I had the shoulder surgery, I just was a bit more aware and I used that time to really focus on things that I could use in a positive way, like focusing on my diet more and really like paying close attention to what I was eating, getting enough sleep, working, working on my kick because I could do that and I couldn't swim. I just used it as more of a positive um, time to focus on things I wouldn't normally do and that really changed my whole like rehab recovery mindset mm. let's 
turn back then to a bit more positivity because that's what we like talking about rather than <laughs> negative aspects and 2008 is an absolutely amazing year for you um breaking world records winning gold medals is it all a bit of a blur for you or do you remember things vividly from that year um i feel like it's a combination to be honest um I definitely remember things like I remember standing on the podium. I remember like the way I felt in the last lap of the races and things like that. But the whole Beijing experience has kind of become a blur. Um, Like the whole Olympic, uh, even the program, like leading into the Olympic, like the training and stuff. Like I forget often all those sessions and everything. (laughs) Um, Um, but it was just amazing. I think the thing I, if I had my time over, I would have really liked to have like stopped and taken a moment to really feel and experience everything because like winning three gold medals and breaking three world records. And I was the most successful Australian Olympian and I was the flag bearer for Australia and all these things happened all at one time. And I kind of was just like onto the next, onto the next and interviews and whatever. And it was kind of like became a job rather than something that I was like, wow, like I get to do all these things. Um, so would have really liked to have just, I guess, slowed it down a notch to enjoy the ride rather than feel like I was just like, Oh, having to do all these things I didn't really want to do. <laughs> Do you ever watch it back? Do you ever watch some of those races back? Yeah, I do. Um, I do quite often, maybe like every couple of months. And I do it because since transitioning into being an entrepreneur and really focusing on my business ventures, uh, you forget. Well, no, not forget, but I'm at the stage now where I was when I was maybe 16, 17 as an athlete and I hadn't quite reached that time of notoriety and um, reaping rewards of, you know, the hard work. So when I watch something back like the 2008 Olympics, it reminds me that I had worked so hard and that you can achieve success and I did that and it just brings back a lot of really good feelings for me of, of not just the success but um, like confidence in my ability. And I find that just fuels me to, um, to really devote that energy into my business. But I think more than anything, it feels like it was a past life. Like I Mm. really feel sometimes like that wasn't me. Um, I'm a totally different person in so many different aspects of my life now, uh, probably for the better. And, um, yeah, it just feels really strange sometimes to watch it back. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Just a little standby note, people. More from Stephanie Rice is coming up on The Best in the World with Richard Parr. But I want to tell you that today's show is also brought to you by Sportachino. Sportachino is the sports breakfast show that I host on Facebook, Periscope, and YouTube. And all of the episodes and live streaming is at sportachino.com. Check us out every single weekday morning from 8 GMT. We discuss all things related to sports, health, and nutrition. We digest the morning sports headlines every single day. If you haven't seen our episode yet, go and check us out. I'd really appreciate it if you would do that. That is Sporter Chino. That is today's sponsor of The Best in the World with Richard Parr. All right, let's get back to my conversation with the amazing Stephanie Rice. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. What is it then about being a champion swimmer and, and all the, the routines and the training that you kind of went through that you can actually take on in these new ventures now? What, what things have you learned from that past life, as you said, that you're able to use in this life and is, is slowly helping you bring this success to your businesses? I think it's, I think it's things that most people who do sport, um, even just for leisure would feel. So something like when you're training and you don't really want to be there, you'd rather be somewhere else, you're tired and you've got this killer session and the mindset of having to really be like, all right, well, I'm here. So like, let's make the most of this, even though I don't really want to be and having to push through boundaries, like mentally more than anything. Um, you know, when you kind of don't want to go any further, but you've got one more to go and, and that feeling once you break through a boundary is the most invigorating feeling. And I'm sure everyone who has done any type of sport feels that even if you're just a bike rider on the weekends going up a tough hill and you kind of like, Oh, I want to get off. But 
when you push through it, you're like, damn, how awesome was that? I did that. Um, so I draw a lot on those feelings of like, I've just got to push through today or I've just got to get this thing done. And it does create that same momentum and feeling again. So it's more of the core principles like discipline and, and really like being focused on one thing and believing in yourself and things like that, that I draw from my Olympic experience. Mm. Just thinking about swimming and, and thinking about business and, uh, in some ways, from the business point of view, I'm, I'm in a similar place. You have been launching something recently as well. My sports breakfast show, oh, Sportachino. Yeah, and when, when I think about it, I, I think about how, how you athletes work, and it's all about kind of reps and doing the same reps. But very often, you can just be doing reps for reps' sake. Were there any moments, particularly as a swimmer, where you then change something where the reps became more worthwhile or a coach did something to you or changed something? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Um, I feel like as a person, um, and sounds similar to you, I'm very geared for purpose. I have to do things with purpose. If there's no point in me doing it, I just can't get myself in it and I can't devote myself fully to something. So remember we had like quite a lot of sessions um, that were just purely for the fact of kilometers, like just got to get through the kilometers, something super boring like 10 400s and it just had no real point to me. Um, and so I used to really struggle on those sessions just especially with my mindset, like I just did not want to be there for them. But as soon as I chose something to focus on, like I, I made the choice to focus on, okay, this is a good time where we're not going – super fast and super hard that I can think about, um, you know, my race and visualize what I'd be doing, or I can think about my technique and I can work on my turns. Like I made the choice to focus on something and then make that the goal. Um, I definitely have created those almost like checkpoints in my business life now something super boring like working out an insurance policy that just does not excite me in one bit like I can't find anything exciting in that process but to kind of go like all right I'm gonna just like get this part of it done today and then tomorrow I'm gonna focus on this like that makes it more like there's a goal that I can work towards rather mm. than just not enjoying the monotony of something super boring. Are you a planner then? Are you someone who planning, but also goal setting as far as this is my goal for one year, six months, three months, one week, shorter, long-term, short-term goal setter. It's so interesting because I tried to apply that as soon as I finished swimming to my business life and it didn't work. Um, and I think the reason it didn't work is because when you're swimming, there's set checkpoints. So there's like the Olympics is in August. You cannot change the date of it. It's that's when it's going to be. And therefore then the trials are at X time. You have to go X, um, X time in the race to qualify. You know, there was very specific checkpoints and if you didn't reach them, then like, sorry, but you didn't achieve the goals. Whereas in business, like I'm gearing up to launch it and I was going to launch it on Monday, but the website wasn't quite ready. So if I had that, that was the day, like it just, I'm more flexible with, with the goals as such. Hence why I don't 
I have goals of where I'd like to be and what I'd like to create by that time, which keeps me motivated along the journey, but I'm very much more flexible knowing that maybe I'm going sort of off to the right, but actually it's better for me to transition and go a bit more off to the left, whereas you couldn't do that in swimming. It didn't apply. Um, So I think I just have tried not to be super rigid with those things rather focus on definitely goals and having what I focus on is I read the book um, the one big thing and it talks a lot about how just having like one thing to focus on each day and one thing that you like is your main priority and so I do definitely focus on that and then if I can get the other stuff done the other little stuff around that then that's really great but I got that one big thing done. All right, that's going on my list as well right now. The one big thing. All right, here we go. <laughs> that was really, really good. I really like that one. This is better than being in Waterstones right now. Um, <laughs> get, getting some fantastic tips here. So we we mentioned food briefly. Um, you hear so many different stories about swimmers of what they can and can't eat and ones who eat a whole load of stuff and it can be unhealthy <laughs> and ones who eat really healthily. In 2008, when you were winning Olympic gold medals and breaking world records, what was your your typical uh, daily intake? What was your diet like? Well, it was super boring and I ate exactly the same thing every day. So breakfast was two pieces of toast with an egg uh, or two eggs. Uh, Morning tea was a, a yogurt with some almonds. Lunch was rice with tuna and some steamed vegetables. And then dinner was um, sort of like um, like a steak and potatoes and vegetables or chicken and vegetables. I didn't really eat like a lot of carbs at night unless I had a really hard session the next morning. Uh, and then I pretty much ate that for <laughs> six months straight and I was so over it. Um, but it was one of those things I just didn't want to change. I didn't want to like muck around with the system if it was working. Uh, obviously, including in all that, there were so many protein shakes and hydration and whatever, whatever. And uh, then when I had my shoulder surgeries, which was after Beijing, um, I took a lot more of a natural approach to healing and diet. And I cut out a lot of things like dairy and I cut right back on meat and increased a lot of my natural plant-based foods and today I'm pretty much vegan so I've kind of just yeah gone along like a big journey of what works for me at the time I don't don't ever in um force people to be vegan or plant-based because it's got to be right for you um but that's just what makes me feel the best is having the most um like lifelike foods so having lots of fresh vegetables and raw things and um and then I'll have like things like sweet potato and stuff that's that's not raw, and and that makes me feel the best. Mm. Do you ever like have a bit of meat? No, I don't. And honestly, it's because I never actually really liked it, um, and I never felt like it really sat with me. Um, meat takes twenty four hours to digest, so it just makes you can, you can feel quite sluggish with it, especially if you're that type of person that can't digest it properly which I think was me and um, I just never really liked it but everyone told me that I had to eat it you know that was like a standard thing to eat like meat and vegetables (laughs) Um, 
so yeah, when I didn't have to eat it anymore, I was like, well, stuff that I'm not eating it. <laughs> no, it's it's very it's very interesting because uh, I've been trying gluten free, um, mm-hmm. which which seemed to work, but I've been I've been a bit naughty uh, recently. Uh, but I I don't think I could ever move away from meat. Is there is there anything in particular about your body that that you felt's been different as you slowly made this change? Um, yeah, first and foremost, like my skin has been the biggest change. Um, and that especially came from cutting out dairy. Uh, and I, um, I think for me now, like how I eat is what works for me. It makes me feel the most energized and it makes me feel really, um, like clean and healthy and good digestion and good energy and positivity. Those, all those things definitely work for me with how I'm eating. The thing I think it's really interesting is that foods have energy, right? Like fresh, beautiful um, vegetables that have grown in a garden uh, have like a better energy than like a hamburger, because it's there's no nutrients in it, if that makes sense to you. So when you eat something, you kind of also get that um, that feeling. So I know if I eat fast food or something fried or whatever, even if it's vegan, it still just doesn't make me feel good because there's no nutrients, there's no life in it. Whereas if I eat foods that have life in them, like fresh things, they always make me feel better mentally and more positive. So. I I gear them that way rather than like oh, this is what's meant to be healthy, so I'll eat this. It's yeah. like oh, these things make me feel better. I yeah. feel more positive. I, w- I wonder how much it actually goes into our mindset when we do have like a McDonald's or a Burger King or whatever, and, yeah, and we no, eat it, right. and we're just going, "Oh, this is tasty, but I shouldn't be doing this. This isn't good." And you're probably actually creating <laughs> ne- negative energy for yourself. Yeah, yeah, and and also like. Um, it's for me, it's not worth the guilt, <laughs> the guilt of feeling crap about yourself or feeling, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. It's just not worth it for me. Um, I'd rather just not even feel that way at all. Hmm. So after putting all of those years of hard work in the pool and, and getting fantastic success at, at the Beijing Olympics and breaking world records, when you made the decision to retire, how difficult was that at the time? Um. It sort of wasn't difficult to make the decision because I knew that that was what was the best thing for me to do. Um, I always told myself that I would swim up until the day I didn't love it anymore and I didn't love – I mean, obviously not every day you're like, oh, I love going to training. But as a whole round approach, I didn't love swimming anymore. I didn't love love elite competing swimming. I didn't – feel as though um for me to for me to continue swimming obviously you have to have a goal and my goal the only thing that would have made or brought me joy in doing all that monotonous training for four years would have been to win another olympic gold medal because anything lower than that would have been a fail in my eyes having already won before so i just felt as though that was way too big of a risk for very little reward. Like once you've already won, I, I, I admire people like Phelps or Bolt or, you know, that have won year after year after year because um, to me it's not as exciting if you've already done it. 
you know, you've kind of already achieved that goal. And I just thought, you know, in four years, I'll be 28. And I'd really like to be starting on the next journey in my life and starting in the next phase. It was very, very hard to go through the transition of actually having made the decision to stop and then be, okay, now what am I doing? That was really hard. And I really, really struggled for probably 18 months with who am I now? Because you're no longer, well, I was no longer Stephanie Rice, the Olympic swimmer, Stephanie Rice, who does training. I was just wasn't that person anymore. And it was really hard to find, I guess, your, my self-worth in things that I actually was as a person rather than what I was doing. And I think that's why so many athletes really go through things like depression and, and really struggle with addictions after such an elite career because, yeah, you, you are so – you build your self-worth around things like how good you are at sport and it's not, not actually what means anything to you as a person. Yeah, when you say it was difficult to try and get motivated uh, again for another four-year cycle, was that something you'd even thought about after 2008 when you'd – you know, so successful, like you said, three Olympic gold medals, three world titles, uh, world records by doing it. Uh, was it then difficult to say, oh, all right, London's in four years? Did you have the motivation then? Um, I definitely had the post Olympic year blues, like that 2009 year was pretty hard to get excited for training and everything just seemed really um, boring <laughs> after an <laughs> Olympic year. And for so many reasons, <clears throat> but after that, after I got through that year, I, I had no problem. I never thought after Beijing that I would want to stop because <clears throat> I also didn't want to be like a one hit wonder. Um, and I knew I was more than just like a one hit wonder. Um, so that was really my big motivation was to, you know, prove myself again as, as an athlete. And, um, I guess things didn't work out for me for one reason or another with injuries and, and everything and just not being able to go into London prepared. But um, I don't have any regrets for that process either. Um, and, yeah, so it wasn't necessarily hard to, to be motivated for another Olympic cycle, but I knew that after London I was just so drained from all the injuries and the setbacks and I was just like, ah, oh, this isn't exciting me as much as it used to. Was there added pressure being, as you said, Stephanie Rice, the Olympic champion going into London? Yeah, I think that um, absolutely there was, but I never have worried about that. That never bothered me as such. I actually always welcomed that. I loved that bit of attention. I loved I loved being noticed for something I was so, so um, proud of and had worked so hard for. And I think for, for me, what I appreciate and have gratitude for now is the fact that I was a female in a sport. I got to do a sport that recognized men and women's success equally um, and that I was able to achieve the success outside of sport in endorsements and TV opportunities and media um, to such a huge level as a female. Like that just isn't very common 
And I'm so grateful that I got to experience all those things because a lot of people put in hard work, but sometimes don't always reap those, those external rewards. So yeah, I'm just, I've been very grateful and very lucky. And I'm guessing those external rewards and all those projects you were probably getting up to has, has helped you in, in what you're doing now. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And helped me after swimming too, because I could do things like I did Celebrity Apprentice um, in Australia here, and I was able to be a part of something like that, which, you know, that's really cool to be able to do something like that. Who runs the Australian one? Are they going to be the next Prime Minister of Australia? <laughs> um, I don't think so but uh we have someone called mark boris who was the donald trump of australia and he was wonderful yeah it was really great oh that's fantastic stephanie quickly just tell us how you relax when when you're not swimming when you're not reading business books when you're not doing the the million of other things you've you've got going on from your various businesses and uh ebooks that you're writing how do you relax Um, I love, I meditate every day. So, um, I always do something like that where I can just kind of really shut off and relax. I love doing something like going for a walk and not taking my phone and just kind of being with my thoughts and being around nature and just kind of moving your body and letting everything process. I love doing things like that. But uh, like if it was like a Sunday afternoon, nothing brings me more joy than watching like Shark Tank or some romantic comedy on Netflix and just like having a healthy takeaway and just being a blob. Like I love that so much. Hmm. How, how long have you been meditating for and did you use it while you were swimming? I didn't actually. I didn't really know about it until after I finished swimming, but I so would have loved to have known about it when I was. Um, I've been meditating for probably on and off three years, and really in the past two years, it's been a reg. I've made it a regular thing, um, and they're not. All, I mean, there's so many different types of like meditating. For me, it's more having time to really set intentions for the day or visualize something that I would really like to achieve or do or experience or. Or something like that and interestingly if you you know read like know about law of attraction and apply those principles visualizing is such a big part of of creating success and um and I naturally did that when I was swimming every night before I would go to bed I would visualize myself at the olympics this is before beijing and I would um think about what I would want to feel like standing behind the blocks and what I would feel from the crowd and what the energy would be like. And I just, I did that really naturally because it excited me to do it. And interestingly, when I was in Beijing, I felt really comfortable. Like I was like, oh yeah, like I've kind of been through this scenario a number of times before in my head. Like I, I was more comfortable. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah i'm feeling more guilty now because you're not the first person on this podcast to have said they meditate and found the real benefits for it and every time i hear it i'm like i'm gonna take up meditating and i never do so <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's really interesting one because so many people do it different ways and i really do believe it's about finding the way that works for you and it's one of those things that i think like you're saying, you're like, oh, I should meditate. Like I really want to make that a part of my day, but it feels like more of a task. Um, when you get to the point of really doing a couple of meditations, you realize how much it benefits you and 
how good it makes you feel that it becomes a non-negotiable because it does set up your day or it does make you feel great. And then there's no better feeling than feeling good about, you know, yourself or having gratitude for things and things come to you when you do that. So it's just like, I guess, flicking to that point where it becomes less of a task and more of something that you always do. Mm. Well, we're recording this just a a few days before I'm going to go to Cape Town and try and enjoy everything that that great city has to offer when it comes as far as to sports, health and fitness. So I'm putting that on the list. I'm definitely going to do one day of meditation or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Good on you. That's fantastic. You have inspired me, not just from that, but from (laughs) everything we've been speaking about today. Stephanie, it's been so great to learn from you. Just before we go, could you maybe tell us how we can continue to follow your journey on social media or on your website and anything else you'd like to promote, please? Yeah, well, um, I love to share really openly and authentically on my social channels, which is it's Steph Rice. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram and really like that vehicle. Um, and then, of course, I'm just about to launch Race Rice. So um, if you guys are interested in hearing more about the kids and the health and everything that we try and share on that channel, you can follow that at Race Rice. Perfect. I can't wait to follow that and I wish you all the best with it. Stephanie Rice, thank you for being on today's podcast. We've learned so much from you and thank you for being the best in the world. Ah, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Now, the one thing we've had on The Best in the World is that we've been very lucky to have some amazing swimmers on the show. Before Stephanie, we had Natalie Coughlin, we had Tom Shields, we had Nathan Adrian, we've had Nick Gillingham. Plus, coming soon, we have got Rebecca Sony on the show. Similar type feel it is to the interview I had with Stephanie Rice. They have a few similarities, and when you listen to that episode, you'll find out what exactly I mean. Check that out. And... To make sure you don't miss that episode, what you could do is you could click subscribe on iTunes to make sure that you are up to date with everything that happens on The Best in the World with Richard Barr. And if swimming isn't your thing and you'd like to listen from other Olympic athletes or world champions, go back and listen to episodes like last week's with Matteo Tagliariol, or you could listen to my interview with Veronica Campbell-Brown or Darren Campbell or Bodo Ilgner. We've got so many great guests that we've spoken to before on The Best in the World Rich Bar. Go back and listen to the full back catalogue. It's all there for you on iTunes and on Stitcher. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm on Twitter at Richard underscore par. But for another week, I will say farewell. And I'll be back with you again next week with another Olympic or world champion. Stay tuned. Have a great week. Goodbye. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.